Well, I have the honor and pleasure of being your pastor, and it has been and continues to be a blessing to, to me and to my family, and I thank you very much for the opportunity. And one of the simple pleasures of being such is that I get to try to make up a clever title for the message, and I get to try to create something catchy or at least intriguing enough to put on the uh, sign outside. And this week's message was titled, There's No Such Thing as a Free Lunch. Then I realized it might confuse people about our monthly potlucks, which are absolutely free. Or worse, it may appear like a veiled warning about the donuts we serve across the street on Saturdays. And that is also free, by the way. Now, it is true that these events are intended to attract visitors and guests and to bolster our attendance. It is also true that our hope is that people will enjoy the food and connect with us and others in the community. And this is done as a service to God and others. But again, I had to be careful about my wording. And in that spirit, here are a few other signs that didn't make the cut. For the misbehaving among us in the community, don't make me come down there, signed God. For the single women among us, looking for Mr. Wright, this is his house. For the college students among us, come in and let us prepare you for your finals. For the lazy among us, we're too busy to change a sign. Sin, bad. God, good. Details inside. For the modern day family, God wants full custody, not just weekend visitations. And we had that letter from God earlier, how about this one? I hate this church, signed Satan. For the bureaucrats and politicians, God so loved the world that he didn't send a committee. For the uncommitted, how about church shopping? We're open Sundays. And for the fickle, I don't know why people change churches. What does it matter what church you stay home from anyway? And my favorite, whoever's been praying for this rain, please stop. (laughs) This week's message is titled, It Didn't Come Cheap, But I Got It For Free. It's not a reference to lunch or donuts, but to the grace we have each received as a gift. It didn't come cheap. Jesus Christ gave his life for it, but we got it for free, and that's the power of the cross. I speak often of grace, and one of the first messages I shared was, with you was this one titled, The Power and Meaning of Words. And we looked at some of these churchy words that have lost some power uh, because their focus got messed up with their meaning. And things like love and hope and grace and how often we use them interchangeably with other words that don't necessarily have the same meaning. And by doing so, they lose some of the glory of their true message. Grace and mercy sometimes fall into this category. Grace and mercy, mercy and grace, two terms that are often used interchangeably. They go hand in hand, but there is indeed a difference. And please believe me that I tell you we need both. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace, conversely, is getting something you don't deserve. So I once heard it described this way. You're racing down the road, handily breaking the speed limit, when suddenly you see the blue lights flashing behind you. There's something you do deserve in this situation. You deserve a ticket and a fine. You broke the law, and there's a penalty for that crime. But after a brief conversation, maybe a few tears, the officer you let you go with a warning. And that's mercy. You deserve that speeding ticket, but you're not getting what you do deserve. Now imagine you have a project due at work, and try as you may, you've not been able to complete the task. Without it, you have no chance of achieving the bonus you've been working towards all year. At the last second, a colleague jumps in and saves the day, helping you with the last remaining pieces. That would be grace. No matter how hard you worked, you didn't deserve the bonus. You fell short. But somebody else came along and provided what you needed. Friends all around us are people who desperately need both of these blessings. And they're both freely given by Christ through his death and resurrection. 
and I count us among those people. The Bible tells us very clearly who we are and what we deserve. We are sinners who have fallen short of God's glory. That's Romans 3.23. And because of that, we deserve death, eternal separation from the holy and perfect Father. It's Romans 6.23. No matter what we do in our own power and effort, we cannot change that fact. But this is where Christ comes in with his mercy and his grace. We do deserve death. But as we call on his name and make him the savior of our lives, we receive mercy. We don't deserve to come into the presence of God, but we are given that eternal promise through grace. We found that promise and we have the hope of Christ because of it. Meanwhile, all around us are people who are struggling through this world, trying their best to do more good than bad, thinking that this is their path to eternity. They're never truly experiencing grace or mercy although they hunger for it. They just don't realize it. My friends, look around you, and I promise you'll see someone who will break your heart, someone on a path leading to destruction. Share with them the hope that is within you and allow God to open the door for them to, as Hebrew says, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Do you ever wonder why we even need the gift of God's grace? If you've been saved for a number of years, or even if you're a second-generation Christian, it is too easy to become complacent and make grace trite in our lives. We just forget about the power of it, almost take it for granted. We forget the significance of grace and often find ourselves lacking in offering grace to others. Do you see that happening in your life or in the words and actions of others? Has grace, mercy, and the acceptance towards others gone the way of customer service? Where it is now a delight and a surprise to experience it and not the confident expectation that it once was. I believe there are at least three powerful reasons why we need grace from God. Three reasons why we should be intentionally putting ourselves in the path of receiving more and more grace from the Father. And equally important, why we should be exhibiting it and extending it to others. And the first reason is salvation. Grace is a salvation issue. We have salvation because of God's amazing grace. God doesn't pick and choose who can and cannot have salvation. Titus says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. It also says, He didn't come to condemn us for our sins and faults. He came to save us because He loves us. And I read this one almost every week, and rightfully so. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved. I don't even want to imagine how different my life would be without my salvation. Salvation gives us purpose in this life to pursue holiness and to share the gospel with others. We aren't here to live our life for ourselves, but to live for God, to bring him glory. Being a child of God changes your life, so let it. John 1.16 reads, And from his fullness we all have received grace. Grace upon grace. More grace. Grace upon grace, it says. We need the continual forgiveness that God gives us. I mess up on a daily basis. I'm a sinner saved by grace who's in constant need of God's forgiveness. Can't we all say those words with honesty? Knowing our own frailty and having our sin ever before us reminds us how much we need the grace of God. God's continual forgiveness is one way that grace sanctifies us. 
an author, Dave Mathis, who wrote the book Habits of Grace, he writes this, Grace is too strong to leave us passive, too potent to let us wallow in the mire of our sins and weaknesses. Third, God extends grace so that we can and we should offer forgiveness to others. Because God is always forgiving me of my sin, how can I not extend that same grace and forgiveness to others? Jesus is our example, and his supply of forgiveness is never-ending. Therefore, ours should be as well. And this is harder than it seems, isn't it? Our feelings, our pride, it gets in the way. We have our rights, and we demand to be heard. When our feelings get hurt, when we're betrayed, it can be one of the hardest things that we have to do. Friends, forgiveness is actually wired deep down in your soul. You were created with the ability to forgive. Blast is a withered skill, atrophied from underuse, and has now become a learned art. It may not come as quickly or natural to us, but it is something that we need to always be intentional about doing. Imagine how different our lives would be if one day the Lord decided to stop forgiving us and withhold his grace from us. That became over for us. There's nothing we could do. Grace is essential to the spiritual life and our spiritual health. But we don't control the supply. And those should be words of comfort. We need to stay connected to the source in order to receive the abundant supply we need. It's not about a limited supply that we have to work harder and harder for. It's about this unending supply that comes from God. All we need to do is plug into it. He gives us the strength to carry on when we think we can't. And he gives us the strength and grace to be gracious to others. And my prayer this week for all of us is that we learn to be the same with ourselves and those in our lives. To have strength and grace and be gracious to others. Extending grace to others is a clear demonstration of God's work in our lives, God's presence in our life. God is so lavish in extending his grace towards us, we need to be doing the same for others. But I want to offer this warning. To receive grace as intended, we must be humble. This Paul's letter to, in 2 Corinthians reads, My grace is sufficient to you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We all need God's grace. But if you don't recognize or confess to your own weaknesses and imperfection, you leave no room for God's blessing of grace in your life. This is a tragedy because you are denying yourself the gift in the name of self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is a fallacy. This is echoed again in words of Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. Now why doesn't he want anyone to boast? Because it takes away from the gift. If you're boasting about what you did to give it, then you, you don't understand what gift it is. I mean, this is such a big deal. It's, it's it repeated throughout the Bible, Romans eleven six. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Remember what I said, grace upon grace? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. But there's good news in this message. God loves you absolutely, unconditionally. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God, being rich in mercy, there's that word, because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Do you understand that? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he did this for us. Not because he knew we were perfect. Not because he's striving for us to hit perfection. He knows who we are. He knows what we've done wrong. We're the ones that are in denial of the sin in our lives, not him. And he loves us anyway. And he extends grace. It says God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loves us. Even when we're dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And the good news about this is God's grace provides you with freedom. Romans 6.14, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. My friends, God's grace didn't come cheap. It cost him his son's life. But you got it for free. All you have to do is accept it and share it. And what a wonderful gift that is. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. Your grace is all we need. And we thank you that because we've been forgiven, because there's been an ultimate sacrifice given on our behalf, that our sacrifice is no longer necessary. Nothing more needs to be done but to accept and to love and to obey. God, that doesn't give us the right or the freedom to make bad choices. It just means, God, that you are capable of forgiving us when we turn back towards you and repent. God, this is a daily struggle for every one of us here. I ask your blessing and your strength over each one of us as we try daily to pick up that cross and follow you a little more closely. And help us to be examples to those around us. An example of the mercy and grace that you've shown us. And help us to show mercy and grace to those around us. What good does it do for anyone to claim to be a Christian and hold a grudge or condemn or to judge or to belittle? God, people hurt us. They disappoint us. Just like we do to you. But if you can find grace in us, then we should find grace in providing it to others. I want to thank you for this promise, this blessed assurance that because Jesus came into this world and gave his life for us, not to condemn us, but to give us his freedom. Thank you, Father. And as always, I want to thank you for this building, this community that supports it and surrounds it. God, I want to thank you for every family, every person here, those who couldn't make it, those who are traveling. God, for the empty seats and the pews that remind us that we do have opportunities to invite and encourage people to seek a relationship with you. I thank you for all you do for us. And I thank you for the amazing mercy and grace that you show us every day and look forward to what you're going to do for us this week. May we love you always as much as you love us. Amen. This is the first Sunday of the month, and we celebrate communion. And communion can mean a lot of different things to people. Uh, it's very symbolic, obviously, but sometimes it is the one quiet moment you take with God. 
the once a month for five minutes just to sit and quietly listen. Hopefully that's not true, but that's certainly what it can be. So whatever that means for you, I want you to take the bread and the wine, the bread and the grape juice, and and let it let it soak in what this does. Because this is what happened. It was the night that Jesus was betrayed. He gathered all of his disciples. And after he gave thanks, he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he again gave thanks. And he said, this wine, this cup, is my blood, the new covenant. And it's important understanding what that means, this new covenant. We talk about it every week. That although we are subject to the law, the thou shalt nots, we are covered by this thing called grace, this love and mercy. And this blood that was spilled, this would be spilled shortly after Jesus did this, it was a cover of all people for all times. Here we are almost 2,000 years later, not only celebrating the communion, but benefiting from it. So I want to encourage you. We'll have some music playing. I want you to come through and feel welcome taking the bread and dipping it in the wine, juice, and uh, returning to your seat. But just really take a moment and take all in what it means to you. Will you pray with me, please? Father God, there's so many things we do that, that honor you throughout the service. We read your word, we study, we listen, we lift up prayers, we sing songs of praise and worship to you, and we share communion. God, let this be a special time that we hold deep in our hearts, that we cherish in our soul, and understand the depth of the sacrifice made so long ago, but still so incredibly relevant today.
song says come to the well like we talked about there's this unending supply of grace and mercy we like to think that our wells will never run dry so the only limitation is what we come to carry stuff away with and so we say leave it all behind because you come with your arms full there's not a whole lot of room to carry anything else away with you and God has so much to offer for us let's pray Brother God I, this time of communion I just hope you've felt the love from this congregation. I hope this congregation felt the power of your spirit here. Help us to leave behind, to set aside our baggage, our concerns, our worries, not just to ignore them, but to give them to you, because you want to replace them with things of the kingdom nature. God, help us to come with plenty of room in our hearts and our minds and our souls to receive whatever it is you have to give us. We thank you for that. Amen.